Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Parents and some teachers who are opposed to the state's planned COVID-19 vaccine mandate for students held protest rallies in many California cities yesterday. They included about a thousand who gathered in Sacramento outside of the state capitol building. People who participated in the protests ranged from hardcore anti-vaccination activists to people who say they aren't against vaccinations but question how much research has been done on the vaccine's effects on children and teens. Public health experts say school vaccine mandates are crucial in the fight against COVID-19 and that there's no evidence of harm to children. They also point out that California students are already required to get immunizations for a variety of other illnesses in order to attend classes. The vaccination mandate will be phased in and could begin as early as next fall. Revenue from parking tickets is used by cities to pay for things like public parks and trash removal. But in Los Angeles, a new report says parking citations just aren't the moneymaker they used to be. KCRW's Tara Atrian reports. If you get busted for parking at an expired meter in L.A., you can be ticketed more than 60 bucks. If you get in the way of street sweeping trucks, that's about a $70 setback. While that may be a lot of money for Angelinos, it's apparently not enough to pay for operations at the city's transportation department. According to USC's Crosstown, in the last five years, L.A. has spent more on employee salaries and equipment than the money it earned from parking citations. In the past two fiscal years alone, there was a $120 million shortfall. While the deficit began before the pandemic, research shows a suspension of parking regulations in the first months of the public health crisis worsened L.A.'s finances. In January 2020, more than 200,000 tickets were issued. Three months later, when the pandemic began, there were only about 45,000. For the California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles. A new law in California will soon mandate use of force training for security guards. A cap radio investigation into the private security industry sparked the legislation. State government reporter Scott Rod has the details. Our investigation last year found the state has no clear definition for use of force when it comes to security guards and minimal training requirements. That caught the attention of Assemblyman Chris Holden. Many people, they thought private security guards were trained in how to engage in use of force. And so this was one of those situations where a law was necessary and it won support even amongst the security industry. Starting in 2023, the training must be completed in order to obtain a security guard license. The law also tightens requirements for security companies to report physical altercations to the state and gives regulators more power to suspend or revoke a license due to excessive use of force. 
For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Sacramento. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fettah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. The company behind this month's oil spill off the coast of Orange County received millions of dollars in federal relief over the last five years. Here's Orange County Congresswoman Katie Porter, a Democrat, during a congressional hearing yesterday in Irvine. They got nearly $20 million from the federal government specifically because the oil wells are at the end of their lives and are not producing much oil, which makes them less profitable. So taxpayers are being asked to pay to encourage oil production in the Pacific Ocean by giving oil companies millions of dollars to do it. Representative Porter spoke about a subsidiary of Amplify Energy, which operates the pipeline that ruptured off the coast of Huntington Beach. She says that subsidiary could also receive another windfall. Beta Operating is in line to get another $11 million to drill four new wells off the coast because that $11 million is needed, in their words, to make production economic. So taxpayers are being asked to pay Beta to drill new wells. And Porter says if the Biden administration's Build Back Better plan is approved, these royalties that oil and gas companies pay to the government in exchange for leases on federal property would be cut. As that congressional hearing was taking place, local officials and environmentalists held a rally in Laguna Beach, calling for an end to offshore oil drilling along the California coast. Among the speakers was actress and environmental activist Jane Fonda. Some of these, like Platform LA, where the recent spill occurred, were built between the 1960s and the 1990s and have reached or exceeded their expected lifespan. They're not safe, and they must be shut down and decommissioned. Fonda says she supports a measure that will be introduced by State Senator Dave Min of Irvine that would end all offshore drilling off the California coast, including for companies that operate under existing leases. While much of the focus in the days and weeks following the massive oil spill in Orange County has been on cleanup efforts and the investigation into what caused the offshore pipeline to rupture, many local businesses continue to struggle. Scott Brenneman owns Westcott Fishing Company. He testified during a congressional hearing in Irvine yesterday. A couple of days after the oil spill, they had closed the Newport Harbor. And so my boat was actually trapped inside the harbor, so I wasn't even able to go service my accounts and 
it's just been very difficult couple weeks and I'm not sure how long this is going to last. And Scott says his family has been fishing in the area for decades and his father's fishing operation struggled for months following an oil spill in the 90s. He says he's facing the same challenges right now. Vipe Desai is a founding member of the Business Alliance for Protecting the Pacific Coast. It represents the economic interests of thousands of coastal businesses in California. He talked about what they need. Really, at the end of the day, what these businesses want, they just want to get back to business on their own. They want to contribute to the economy. The only help they want is from their customers to keep business. They don't want a handout or a hand up or anything. But in circumstances like this, any assistance is welcome. And he says the oil spill has had a ripple effect across much of the economy in many beach communities in Orange County, where tourism and foot traffic are needed to stay afloat. And South Bay Congressman Ro Khanna will preside over a historic hearing later this month where big oil executives and trade groups will face questions about their role in spreading climate disinformation. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports. Khanna will help lead the Oversight and Reform Committee hearing on October 28th alongside Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney of New York. It is big. It is historic. We have never had the oil executives come before Congress to testify on climate disinformation. Kana says he hopes the executives of BP, Shell, Chevron, and ExxonMobil not only come clean about their well-documented efforts to mislead the public about the dangers of fossil fuels. What they should also do, Kana says, is... Make news at this hearing by announcing concrete, bold initiatives to be part of the solution in tackling the climate crisis. That includes detailing how much they're investing in developing carbon-neutral technologies. Representatives of the American Petroleum Institute and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce will also appear before the committee. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. How safe do you feel walking or riding a bike on your city streets? Well, October is National Pedestrian Safety Month, and it comes as cities across the state are grappling with a spike in pedestrian deaths and injuries. Just listen to this sample of recent news reports. One person is dead and another recovering this morning after a hit and run in San Francisco. A deadly car crash involving a pedestrian in South Sacramento. A two-car crash left a pedestrian dead and another person rushed to the hospital in Pico Union late last night. A chaotic scene under a San Diego overpass where three people were killed and six others injured this morning when a driver plowed into people on the downtown sidewalk. The way he was riding down the sidewalk, it was like he didn't take his foot off the gas until he got to the other side of the street. Last year, pedestrian deaths in the U.S. surged by more than 20 percent compared to the previous year, even though there were far fewer cars on the roads because of the pandemic. So what's going on here and how come ambitious California programs meant to cut pedestrian deaths don't seem to be working? We talked about these issues with Leah Shihaum, executive director of Vision Zero Network, which advocates for safer streets in the state. So, Leah, before anything else, why do you think we're seeing so many traffic deaths, particularly pedestrian fatalities? over the last year when traffic because of the pandemic went down so substantially? I think unfortunately we're seeing a lot more cases of high speeding and dangerous driving, reckless driving. And we're not sure if that's because people are, you know, so cooped up, frankly, and, and, and a little bit more on the wild side and or if 
having more open roads or less crowded roads really just kind of is inviting people to speed and be more reckless. But I, I know we are we are seeing that and reading studies and, and analysis across the nation. It's happening. And even though we're seeing cars and trucks return to the road now and our, and our streets and highways and freeways are once again crowded, we're still seeing a very high rate of death and injury of pedestrians and cyclists and other drivers. That's right. And I think what we're seeing now reflects the ongoing problem of building an everyday transportation system that really has been built for speed over safety. We really have prioritized speed and the perception of convenience over true access for everyone. Traffic crashes are not happening in in an even way. What we're seeing is that some communities are really overburdened by traffic crashes. And those are children, those are senior citizens, those are people walking and biking, and they're communities of color and people in low-income neighborhoods. This really is an issue of justice and equity because when we look out there, we say, wow, where are the majority of fast-moving, high-speed streets? Where do the freeways touch down more often? Where do we have a lack of sidewalks and bike lanes? Over and over again, it's these communities that have really been underserved. Well, let's talk about the solutions. I mean, your organization is all about reducing traffic fatalities. You hope to zero or as close to zero as you can get. A lot of cities have adopted that as a goal, like San Francisco, like Los Angeles. They've adopted as a goal that's soon approaching, some like in the year 2024. I mean, come on, we are not going to make that 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 zero goal, zero fatality goal in that amount of time. Have you come to accept that? You know, setting a goal is one thing, making real change is another. What we need to see more of in cities is lowering speed limits and redesigning roads so that people are not going as fast as they are today. The truth is when, when people crash, you, maybe you have a fender bender, maybe you have a broken ankle. You wish you didn't have them, but they're survivable, right? What we're trying to do is say, look, crashes are going to happen. We're going to have crashes out there. How do we make them survivable? How do we make sure there are not deaths and severe injuries? And that really comes down to speed. So everybody can get where they need to go while driving, walking, biking, or riding a bus or riding a scooter. But maybe they just need to go a little bit slower and give more people space on the road. Those are absolutely doable things to make happen. All right. That is Leah Shaham, executive director and founder of the Vision Zero Network. Leah, thank you so much for joining us on the California Report. Thanks, Saul. Appreciate it. And that is the California Report for today, Tuesday, October 19th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and come back tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash Adapting Care. Water heaters only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at WaterHeatersOnly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, 
please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.